Hi, I'm Jay Christian Adams. This is the Protecting Your Vote podcast. I'm the president of the Public Interest Legal Foundation, our nation's only firm dedicated exclusively to election integrity and fighting in court. And I'm glad to have you today uh, with us and also with us today, Gene Hamilton of America First Legal. How are you doing, Gene? I'm doing great. Thanks very much. How about yourself? I'm doing great. Thank you for joining us on the podcast. Awesome. Uh, great surroundings. Good to see you here. Likewise. So, Gene, uh, we're sort of in the same general space with, with you know, legal action and, you know, public interest law. Tell everybody about America First Legal. What is it you guys do? Yeah, so it's a great question. Uh, and the answer is going to sound a little rambling and all over the place and unfocused, but it's not because it's ex- exactly who we are and why we're here. So we formed America First Legal a couple years ago, two and a half years ago, right after the end of the uh, Trump administration, to kind of fill the gap in the conservative legal movement. You know, we have great organizations that have been focused on uh, single issues and other issues overlapping, but there wasn't anyone to kind of fill the gap and kind of step in and, and be, go on offense in a lot of cases on issues other than election integrity. Uh, issues other than kind of religious liberty. And so we we started America First Legal. And uh, two and a half years later, it's hard to believe what we've been able to work on. It's everything from equal rights um, to uh, combating against government. So there's multiple lawsuits that we've won against the government. Farm loan forgiveness, of course, being a classic one. Restaurant Revitalization Fund. We have active lawsuits against Target Corporation right now for uh, securities and exchange law violations. Uh, meta uh, platforms for uh, administering racially discriminatory advertising um, in some other uh, associated claims. We represent a a number of states in litigation against the Biden administration for its open borders policies. Uh, We do, gosh, what else have we done? We've done a lot of oversight work. We're the first organization to expose actual records of collaboration between the uh, government and the social media platforms about censorship and identifying the actual records of censorship, which, of course, was was great to be able to find right at the right time. And here we are today and uh, a year and a half later, roughly, and Missouri versus United States is at the Supreme Court. Um, obviously, the case was uh, was able to succeed there at the district court and at the Fifth Circuit. We have our own case that we are in as well right now, representing uh, two uh, two individual plaintiffs uh, against a number of private entities uh, related to the same activities that were going on there, just not governmental entities. So, I mean, we're kind of all over the place. We do a lot. Um, we want to do a lot. We wake up every day thinking, how can we move the ball forward? And, um, and so that leads you in a lot of different places. And so we've been very blessed. You talk about, I think, racial discrimination, the very first uh, example you gave. Does this have anything to do with the Supreme Court finding in students uh, the, against the Harvard and North Carolina case? Is this like follow-on work in that area? We have some, some that would predated that and some that's post-dated that. So uh, just a few days ago, we we filed a lawsuit on behalf of a law student against New York University School of Law for, <laughs> for administering a racially discriminatory law review program. We have another uh, case that predated Students for Fair Admission uh, against six different medical schools in the state of Texas who denied admission to our client, uh, who is a white male, denied admission, had good records, good scores, all that kind of stuff. There's, and we, we, have the, we have their own data that shows that they were engaged in statistically impossible admissions decision-making. Um, so th- there's, a, there's a lot of, um, I mean, there's just a lot of stuff 
that we're doing in that space. Uh, there's a lot of cor- corporations across the United States that are engaged in widespread racial discrimination as a matter of corporate policy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's really disturbing. I mean, we're radically for equality and merit and hiring the right person for the right job because of who they are, not because of their skin color. And um, apparently corporate America, you know, over the last 10 years has kind of lost its mind. And uh, so we've also been been filing a lot of uh, requests with the EEOC to to direct commissioner's charges, investigations, open investigations into some of these practices that we're seeing advertised openly, right? Openly. Uh, Corporation X will say, uh, well, actually, that's actually the name of a corporation. So bad example. Uh, (laughs) Corporation Acme. Acme Corporation. Like like, uh, uh, Roadrunner. Yes, exactly. Acme Corporation that makes anvils uh, that fall on Wiley (laughs) Coyote. Um, uh, we'll put on their website, we have a goal of uh, setting our workforce to be composed of X percent of this type of person, X percent of that type of person, Y Y percent of the other. Um, And this is what we're going to do. And, oh, it's it's a goal, so it's totally fine, except for the fact that they'll tie their hiring managers' bonuses and performance incentives to achieving objectives with respect to their own workforces uh, based on the the person's uh, racial composition or their sex. And so we have this world in which people are being affirmatively discriminated against on the basis of sex and race in the United States in the year 2023. And... uh, the EEOC needs to do something about it, right? I mean, this is what they're charged with. These are blatant, out-in-the-open violations of law that they're admitting to. Well, let me say, I'm a commissioner on the United States Commission on Civil Rights. President Trump appointed me. I'm there till 2025. What I would love to do is take some of these complaints that you guys are filing and amplify them as requests for information from me. Great. And say, why is your organization, why is your corporation, why is your university discriminating on the basis of race? Right. Why aren't you as the EOC even doing something about it? Because part of the mission of the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights is to find the failures of the federal government right. in stamping out racial discrimination. So ju- just just a request, and maybe we should it talk sounds more. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll do so it. Hans von Spakovsky and I, uh, Hans is at Heritage, we did a series of examinations of law school curriculum, mm-hmm. NYU. Sure. Top 10 law schools, they aren't just liberal anymore, Gene. Their curriculum is off the charts Marxist. Straight up, America's bad, scrap the Constitution, literally. I'm not just, you know, it's not hyperbole. Uh, It's all about race. It's all about the imperialism of the Western ideal. Limited government restrains creative solutions. All of this complete deconstructive Marxism. So it doesn't surprise me at all that you're running into an administration at NYU, which I think is number six. I think that was six on the chart um, that's behaving this way. And and trust me, it is a field of open targets out there of yes. more of this. And so one of the good things AFL is doing is rather than I will I, some credit, it seems to me. In the past, we've had organizations who kind of do these slow, plodding, singular-focused cases where what I've seen, you guys are out there with multiple targets, and that's a good thing. Yeah, so. well, we think so, too, and it's it's where we want to be, always always fighting, always moving the ball forward. If, if, if I had more hours in the day, <laughs> if I had right. more hours in the day, the good that we could do, but... Um, you know, look, we're we're just we're excited to be here. We're excited to be in the fight to be working for the American people, for our clients, 
um, and for for fighting for something that is, is in fact morally morally good and morally correct. I mean, equal treatment under the right. law. I mean, it's something that we all grew up with, and yet today is yeah just gone by the wayside. And that's what Hans and I discovered at these top ten law schools is. The message of Dr. Martin Luther King is is dead. Mm-hmm. It's no longer respected. It's 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 white supremacy now. Like if you believe in equality of individuals, right? That's that's uh, white supremacy. Apparently so. And yeah. and no longer is it about uh, equality. It's about racial spoils and favors. Right. And and there's deep philosophical justifications being taught at these law schools. It's it's not just. Uh, slogans. It's let me give you the Marxist underpinnings right. of why we should treat people differently, which of course is literally a Marxist tactic. Like, like we <laughs> yes. will treat you according to your ideologies. Right. And so, okay. So let's talk about 2025 because you're involved in a project about 2025, or or is that the name of it? Indeed, Project 2025 is great. What is it? Now, this is under the umbrella, I think, of the Heritage Foundation. Correct. Public Interest Legal Foundation is is one of the partner people involved in this, but what is the project? So Project 2025 is this uh, heritage-led umbrella uh, under which many conservative organizations are partnering um, to form the policies and the plans and, and the, the personnel to be ready for whatever administration comes in next, whatever conservative administration comes in 2025, knock on wood, uh, that they need to be on the ground ready to run on day one. And so that's uh, all these organizations have been working hard now for over a year um, in different phases and laying out those plans, talking about the things that need to be done to restore the rule of law in the United States and to end administrative abuse and to do all these different things that conservatives have always talked about, (laughs) but that, you know, there's a difference between getting into a place on day one and saying, okay, now some over the next 12 months, let's figure out what we need to do versus going in on day one and saying, these are the 25 things that we're doing on day one. These are the 25 things that we're going to do on day 100 and having a game plan for everything in between. Um, and so we've been thrilled to be a part of that. I I helped lead the um, initial just Department of Justice team uh, with with plans in a chapter in a book that Heritage uh, put out earlier this year. Uh, it's Mandate for Leadership. Uh, their their publication they put out every four years. Um, and with with some kind of top level stuff. Now we're in the next phase of that plan, um, getting more detailed, more granular, and trying to do things. Uh, and lay things out that will be helpful uh, to the next administration. Well, Gene, uh, some some more stories. Uh, I was at the Department of Justice in the voting section, Civil Rights Division. I left. I actually wrote a book about it. So I said it was a New York Times bestseller for one week, which is all you need, right? It's great. It's called Injustice, uh, Exposing the Racial Agenda of the Obama Justice Department. When I wrote this book in 2011, this is 12 years old now, the very last chapter is dedicated uh, it's called Ending Injustice, and it's messages for the next Republican administration. It's the very last chapter, Ending Injustice, Chapter 8. Um, and it was written with a lot of advice from a lot of veterans as to what needs to happen. For example, the next attorney general, assistant attorney general, needs to not care about his next resume. Now, on that, the Trump administration got it right because they picked Eric Dreibund, who's now back at Jones Day, as the assistant attorney general for civil rights. He was solid. But I'll tell you a story, and I won't give you the names to protect the guilty. The landing teams at DOJ were comprised of a lot of people, not entirely, but a lot of people who were institutionalists, who wanted to protect the status quo from the Obama years. And so 
Eric did not have lawyers who were willing to sign pleadings on things like pro-life, uh, equal treatment of the law, anti the Yale case, which DOJ mm-hmm. brought. DOJ brought a case against Yale right. for racial discrimination. The lawyers weren't willing to sign it because there were nothing but liberals in the <laughs> civil rights division. So it was Eric Drybend and everybody else right? because the landing teams didn't do their job. Yep. And I'm glad to hear that you guys are doing something to make that different. And by the way, this is for you. Thank you very much. Unfortunately, you're going to have to carry it around for the next hour or two. I love it. You it's can turn the cover inside out so nobody assaults you on the street. Yeah, that way that nobody on these crime-infested D.C. streets gets <laughs> right. me. That'll be great. Right. Thank you. So do you th- do you have hope that if if a Republican wins in 2024 that the understandable mistakes of 2017 won't be repeated? I think so. I, I very much do. I mean, I think that with with the battle plan that was laid out in the mandate for leadership, um, if that's executed, and it, and I anticipate that it will be, and if the the more detailed granular plans come out, um, and they are followed, and of course personnel is a huge component mm. of all of this, right? You can have the best the best made plans, um, but if no one is there to implement them. Uh, then you are kind of left with a, a great book that is wishful thinking right. and is you know a good 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 thing to help put you to sleep at the end of the night I guess. Right. Um, but I am hopeful that uh, conservatives have seen over these last you know two and a half almost three years of the Biden administration what the stakes are and what the, 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 there is no alternative. There is no kind of you know milk toast uh, brand of going back in and reforming DOJ. Right, right, right. There's no cutting around the periphery. There's systemic changes, uh, systemic rot um, that is present, and it has to be cut out and dealt with and reformed and restore that department to what it's supposed to be. Right. One of the, the areas to look at, there was a 2013 Inspector General report by the DOJ Inspector General that said the Civil Rights Division in particular was hiring nothing but radical mm. leftists. Yes. Okay? Right. I forget what my name is in that. It's like Mr. Elmer Fudd or something. Like, they give you <laughs> pseudonyms, right? Right. Because it dealt a little bit with the Black Panthers. And what has happened is the DOJ hiring process was rigged in 08, 09 to ensure that only liberals get hired at the at the line attorney level. You have to share a commitment to civil rights, sure. which is code for you work for a civil rights group, a left-wing civil rights group. Right. So there's all these hiring things that the left has stuck into DOJ that are going to have to be dismantled yes. before there's some measure of fairness. Right. No, I, I mean, it's, it's, it is top to bottom, left to right, just across the board changes that have to take place. And Civil Rights Division is a great example. And of course, the Biden administration has done, um, by its measures, a fantastic job of stacking even more people in right. since, since then. Um, they went on a hiring spree uh, in the first year of the administration, especially just bringing in more and more people. And we all know where they came from. Right. They didn't come from the Heritage Foundation. None. <laughs> they didn't hire anybody. Yeah. I, if there is a token conservative there, I, I I will I will pay someone fifty bucks today yeah. if they can give me the name of one token conservative who is who is there. And I'll see not. your fifty and I'll raise you a hundred because <laughs> they're all gone. They've all been wiped out. Yeah. I just did a trial against a bunch of them in Galveston. Uh, look, another thing right now there's a vacancy for the voting section of the mm. DOJ. The voting section uh, chief right. who was there since Bush put him in in '07 by the name of Chris Heron retired. So what I would encourage every single conservative attorney with even the slightest bit of election experience to do is apply for the position. You're not going to get it. 
But if a whole bunch of conservative attorneys apply and don't even get interviews, you know something's up. Absolutely. And, yeah. Oh my gosh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean it's 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 just wild. And you know, it, it when, when you see something like that, um it 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 erodes, it destroys your confidence in it, yeah. in the impartiality of of the entire of the entire division and of the entire department. Uh you know, it used to be at a time in this country where you know, okay, well, there's the liberals in the office, and there's the conservatives, right. and there's kind of folks who are in between, and you know, it was right. folks got along. Um, but we're we're past those days way now. Past. We're way past yeah. those days, and so you, there is a lot that has to be done in the civil rights division, in the FBI, um, in all the litigating components. I mean, there is there is a lot of reform and restructuring of of the department that has to be done, and it's the stakes couldn't be higher because the alternative is. You know, I, I, I've said this before, but if you are a conservative American and you see what's going on across the country right now and you see what you perceive as the weaponization of the Department of Justice, and that would be the correct impression, um, you can't have for a sustained period of time a governed class of people, of the people who are governed, who are governed, who are, you know, represented and are represented in the Constitution, that you don't have a stable society for a long time if you have more than half the population that thinks that they are completely left out and targeted and uh, mistreated. That's a recipe for disaster. And that's something that the folks who are still inside the Civil Rights Division, some of whom I know, need to hear because they think, hey, this is our fiefdom. You need to have commitment to civil rights to work here, and we don't need any conservatives to apply. But when you behave that way, you destabilize the country. Yes. You just stay, you, you, people do not trust. For example, as soon as the Obama administration got elected, the voting section was gathered together. It's in my book. You can read it. And they were told that they would no longer be enforcing National Voter Registration Act, Motor Voter, to keep voter rolls clean because that's not what they cared about. And so from that point on, there was no more enforcement of voter roll cleanup through the DOJ, which they're supposed to do under both the Help America Vote Act and, the, and Motor Voter, two different laws. And there hasn't been any because Obama didn't care about it. By the time Trump took over, there was nobody there who would sign the pleadings, and we're back to not enforcing federal law regarding voter roll cleanup. That's why we're suing yeah. Michigan at the Public Interest Legal Foundation, because the, the government won't do their job. Right. So that's what leads to mistrust, is when you don't enforce laws designed to have clean elections. Absolutely. It's, so. it's I mean, there, there is no self-reflection um, uh, by the other side anymore. I mean, there's no kind of awareness of these broader principles that that everyone in our country, I think, at least to some degree, once understood were important. If yeah. you had a society with multiple interests and, and competing interests, that it was important to be able to to have these balances. And yet they've taken everything, every part of that balance, and they've thrown it out the, out the door. And, you know, the leadership starts at the top. And when you have A.G. Garland, you know, everyone, everyone knows by now it's a talking point. Uh, just a little over two years ago, actually, this month, issued this memo directing, activating the entire Department of Justice. Oh, we these these threats at school board meetings, these parents out of control. We have to we have to mobilize all of DOJ and all DOJ resources. It was all astroturf. It was all done because they wanted to influence the the election in Virginia. That was the only thing they wanted to do. So they did this boneheaded thing. The AG issues this memo that still hasn't been rescinded. Still hasn't been rescinded to this day and activates and weaponizes the department and is trying to chill the speech of parents. And yet, 
un, until last week, until last week, when you look at, for example, our open borders, and you look at the number of people coming across the, the southern border, and you look at what's happening abroad in Israel, and you see the, the real threats that are present in this world, not a single memo issued yeah, by true. Merrick that's Garland true. about that threat. And last, and so, so last week he says that the DOJ press releases say, oh, Merrick Garland talked with DOJ leaders and he instructed everyone to coordinate. But that's, that's, that's a half measure. If he wanted to send a signal, he knows how to send a signal. And he did it when it was politically convenient for him. But right now, there's no corresponding memo from Merrick Garland that says, we need to activate all the department's resources and we need to coordinate it. We need to secure America from the threat of terrorists crossing the southern border, from cartels and, and human traffickers that are coming across the southern border with people, all the crime that's infesting our communities. We need to mobilize and, and remember why we're here. That's not there. They don't care about that stuff anymore. They care about getting their ideological outcome and objective. And that's and that's it's deeply unsettling, I think, yeah. for the for the republic, for the it, future of our it country. It sure is. You can't have the Department of Justice being the Department of Injustice, which, right. of course, takes me back to my book. Gene, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate your time. Gene Hamilton, America First Legal. I'm J. Christian Adams, the Public Interest Legal Foundation. You've been listening to Protecting Your Vote. Tune in next time. We'll have lots more about what's happening in your elections and involving voting. Thank you.